Hello, and welcome back to Blue Royalty. That's right, I am not Jesse Parker Humphreys. Uh, they are off this week in sunny Barcelona, so you're getting your fourth choice host with the most. Uh, Nick back in the saddle. Uh, that's right, Abdullah returning, of course, because because we can't miss the whole crew. And then returning guest, Rob Prattley. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's been, it feels like a very long week due to the end of the transfer window. It was a very, very busy start to it for me. And it kind of finally, it's nice not every day to have to feel like, am I going to miss something? Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely been crazy. I think we did 27 pods in January and many of them were transfer focused. And it was just like, you know, you can only keep up with so much and the information was only good for so long. It was, it was wild, wild stuff, uh, especially at the end. Uh, but look, we're here, obviously, to talk about the uh, three points against Spurs in the now reframed uh, Beth <laughs> England derby. Uh, but of course, you know, if, if you watch this, there were some nervy moments at the end. So we're going to touch on uh, why Chelsea are leaking goals. And uh, look, we're going to talk a lot about Lauren James uh, because there were a couple of moments in this match that just kind of made the uh, the hairs on your arm stand up a little bit in terms of her quality. So, look, Abdullah, you know what's going on here, right? Every time I'm host, you got to read the three word match reviews. You got to get stuck in here. So of I'm going to pass the ball to you. <laughs> of course, just to get the get, get the voice warmed up. Um, no, of course. So we got. Uh, Ishan with a Lauren Jane supremacy, fire emoji, of course. Ollie Glanville in front of the pod, top to stay. Uh, John Dolzar with more James siblings, question mark. Um, <laughs> Clayton with lacking killer instinct. Um, Pillow7MK3 says, James, Lauren James. I think there's a 007 reference there. Yep. And kind of maybe maybe what will summarize a lot of what we're going to talk about from Claudia Bochi. Um, stop leaking goals. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's the Emma Hayes and, and the Chelsea team all together but nick what's your three-word match review well I, I was listening to some lil wayne this weekend so i, I went with uh the carter one uh it's been, it was nice to see jess carter back in the goals and so uh you know i was just like hey why not <laughs> i like it I, I wish i could be anywhere near as you know clever i just went for stop switching off because i'm fairly sure that's what emma was sweat was shouting at the end of the game probably with some expletives uh blended in i'm oh. fairly sure that's what i could hear no, not Emma. No, very, uh, I mean, <laughs> very proper. No swearing whatsoever out of her. I, I know it's shocking. I know it really is shocking. Uh, I got, where is Magda Eriksson? Question mark. Uh, I think that, 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 it'll, that'll, I think that'll be a, a topic to come up later in the pod. But I think it's the third game in a row. She's been on the bench. So my question is, where's Magda Eriksson? That's a very good question. Maybe we can put her face on like a milk carton or something. Maybe there's a, yeah. a lost and found <laughs> sort of scenario. Waldo. Yeah. It's a Waldo situation. Yeah, and it's just in the in the chart, the sea of people. <laughs> um, yeah, look, this one's already off the rails, which is fantastic. Um, look, guys, uh, we're talking about Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, we're talking about you know the, the date, Sunday the fifth of February, in the WSL at the Briar Group Stadium, um, which is uh, new for them compared to where they played last year. And the pitch was thankfully a little bit better <laughs> than when they played last year. So, uh, Abdullah, will you take us through what is is now kind of an evolving lineup situation that, that we have going on? Yeah. Um, so, what well, looked like on paper a four two three one, but definitely did switch to a three four three a lot of times in the game. So, I think it was it was Bright Buchanan, Charles, and Carter. Sorry, as your back four, and now what I think is the first choice and. 
main pairing in midfield, which is Sophie Ingle and Aaron Kaspa. And then you had um, Gura Wright and Jesse Fleming, Lauren James uh, as your middle three in, in the attack and midfield area. And then you have Samka leading the line. And I think, I think again, it's it's great to point out that I think Jesse Fleming starting yet another game. And I think she's slowly coming back into favor. And obviously, on the other side, you had the two ex-Chelsea players and Bethingman starting up front and, and Drew Spence in midfield. The bench obviously contained one Magda Erickson, which we will talk about uh, <laughs> as, as, as we go through here. But I guess, Rob, what's your initial take on the lineup here? Uh, was this expected? Did you see any other potential scenarios evolving or what? I was really surprised that one of Kirby or Shankovic didn't start um, because they did so well off the bench uh, against Tottenham in the cup. And I think Shankovic has looked very good in the minutes she's played. However, I can also see the logic of it in that it was a similar lineup to the team that played in the game at Stamford Bridge. And in that game, Lauren James, Wrighton and Kerr playing as a front three caused a lot of damage. Um, you know, being there live that day, you could, but by the end of it, I think Paul Kerris Harrop, like she'll be seeing Lauren James in her nightmares for the next couple of months. And I'm, uh, yeah, it's probably unfair because she had one lot of it a couple of months ago. Then she thinks she's free and has it again in the cup and gets sent back to Birmingham. And then today, you know, I, I kind of, it was one of those games I felt sorry for her from a, uh, from an opposition point of view, because sometimes you see a player in one-on-one duels and you just know they've got no confidence to win it. But I was um what I will say I was quite pleased with actually is that and I do think this is um is Jess Carter coming back in because I think she's been probably the most unlucky member of the squad this year in that she sort of lost her place through no fault of her own. It wasn't as if performances turned down, it wasn't as if she had a bad run of form. She just sort of, you know, lost it again, a bit like a few years ago, and she's slowly been clawing, clawing her way back in. And I think when she comes in you know what you're going to get. She reminds me in many ways of like Azpilicueta, of, you know, the greatness of Azpilicueta. And it's just such a consistency in performance and such a, you know, very consistent ability to know how you're going to play. And that's such a big thing, I think, in a back line at the moment that is anything but consistent. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that, Abdullah. I mean, we all had to eat our our, our hat a little bit last year on, on Jess Carter because the performances had improved so much year over year, right? And there were times last year where she you know, ended up playing right back, left back, or center back in the middle of a three or on the right side of a three. And it was just, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, she was the one who was most flexible. So she got moved around the most, right? Uh, Now, obviously, she's on this left-hand side. This is not the, you know, I, I would say like where I would have in my brain for her to play, but I think she's doing okay, Um, you know, playing left back and, Maybe this inverted formation is kind of helping her adapt a little bit. I'm not sure. I, yeah, no, I, I, I see your point, and and I, I do agree with Rob in the sense that she is probably the most unluckiest member because she didn't get dropped for any choice of her own. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think, I think probably most of it is down to the fact that Kadisha Buchanan got signed, so she mm-hmm. had to basically drop out for Buchanan. So that's where she kind of lost one of the places, and then obviously. Uh, you've kind of been, you've seen the kind of the rise again of, of Neve Charles on the right-hand side when the fact that Eve Perisay can't even get a, a proper, you know, back-to-back 90 minutes without, you know, Neve Charles getting in there. So it's a testament to, to the way the other players have been playing and for her to come in. Um, I think, I think with Carter, I think 
because she's so flexible, the role probably works for her in being able to kind of change from a left back to a, a left center back. Personally, I think if it was a static back four and she was playing as a center back or as a left back, I think that would be better uh, for her because I, I think we've talked about it before. I think Carter's very good at 1v1 defending. You ask her to do that, she will do you wonders. But what I think you need in, in this sort of left center back, left back position is someone who can progress the ball forward as well as they can defend. And I just don't think Carter right now, or even in general, her role as strengths as a player is in, in going forward, which is why, and I know we'll talk about it, but why I think Magda being on the bench for this sort of system, and especially in this game where it was so obvious they were playing in a three and build up, um, was perplexing for me. So yeah, that's probably my, my thoughts on, on, on Carter there. So yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a weird one. An- another emerging trend, Rob, is that Sachir Musevich is is apparently the number one, right? After uh, mm. as many starts during the month, you know, I think there's a lot of angst around the goalkeeping position at Chelsea writ large, uh, maybe even for the women as well. Is this in your mind now Musevich's to to? to have through the end of the year or is this still kind of up in the air do you think honestly it's one of those things where whatever answer i give or like i put <laughs> a like hazard warning on it because emma hayes is just as likely to change keeper next week and suddenly we're likely to see a month of Ancatcher and burger i burger was obviously had a couple of games i think where she was um quite poor before christmas Musovich came in and played very well in that arsenal game i think for the last few games she struggled um I think she looked shaky last week against Liverpool. I think of what she had to do in this game today, I thought she um, didn't do it very well. It wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Berger come back in next week. But equally, I think, you know, there is also the longer-term situation. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's no secret that Chelsea have signed Nicky Evra for next season and have brought in Evra, the Belgian goalkeeper. Um, it's no secret, obviously, Musovic is out of contract. Uh, they've got Emily Orman, who is in and around, I think very much, you know, that's okay as a third choice, but she doesn't really have the experience that you want, say, to be throwing in at the WSL deep end. So I think there is a lot of question marks over it. What I will say, and I do think this is, I can kind of understand it, I do think when Berger comes back in, you'll see a more focused Lancaster and Berger. And I can also understand the rationale maybe taking her out the firing line because she obviously had a very um, difficult personal six months to 12 months last year. And she was maybe thrown back in towards the end of last season for that experienced head, which was obviously a stressful time as well. Then she had the weird situation of the Euros where she was at the Euros, but wasn't really playing in the Euros. And then she sort of came back in and was expected to be at the same level again. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, you see a more focused burger come back in, in the next game. Indeed. Uh, Abdul, you want to run us through the, the stat box for this match? Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of even in, in some regards, uh, Spurs had six shots to Chelsea's nine shots with Spurs have two on target. Chelsea had five. So a bit more clinical there. 59 to 41% possession for Chelsea. Um, 475 passes to 326. I uh, did a little bit higher of a pass accuracy as well and 77 to 73. Still, a lot of still low there. 
Still low yeah. on the pass accuracy, though. I mean, usually we're in the mid eighties. That's, yeah. that's yeah, a weird yeah, one. Yeah. It's it's strange. I think I think I think that kind of sums up the scrappiness of the game. You know, yeah. playing uh, Sumerlin and and, and Spence and that just kind of break it up for, for Chelsea. And and I'm assuming most of that 77 percent is from Sophie Ingle with her you know sharp short passes in midfield. I think a lot of that comes from there. A lot of fouls in this game as well. I mean, 13 fouls for Spurs to Chelsea's nine, uh, and but yet two yellow cards to Chelsea to, to none for Spurs, which is a strange mm. one. Uh, four offsides each, and then six corners to Chelsea for Spurs is four. Can I just make a comment on the refereeing today? My biggest gripe with refereeing, and it was demonstrated in this game today, there was, I think, a tackle. I think it was Aaron Cuthbert was booked for a challenge where she couldn't literally get out of the way. And then the other booking, I think, was it... Oh, who was our other booking? It was the uh, slide. It was the was it the Buchanan slide tackle on Beth England? Yes, Buchanan. Yeah, yeah, the Buchanan tackle on Beth England. Yes, where she won the ball and went through and caught the player afterwards. That's not like you're allowed a slide tackle. And at the same time, at least twice in the game, Drew Spence pulled players back in the midfield. I don't understand it in the WSL, and this is just a general gripe across it. I'm sure Leah Walty and Sophie Ingle and, you know, all of the defensive fields must carry some sort of card that they flash to the referee when they pull back a player and disrupt a counter-attack and the referee says, oh, you're a defensive midfielder, you're allowed to do it. Because in the men's game, you know, you see every single time, I've seen plenty of players, Kante being no exception, tug someone, easy yellow card. Pierre-Emile Hoibo will 100% do it in the Tottenham game this afternoon. And it's just an instant yellow card. And it annoys me in the WSL that, it's certain players when they do it, like Lauren James, whenever she does it, she'll get booked for it. But the defensive midfielders will do five or six of them every single game. And it's that lack of consistency. It winds me up so much. Yeah. I, I think it is a, I mean, one, it's a, it's a um, disadvantage that we don't have the technology in a, in a bunch of these stadiums to mm. do clear VAR overturns. I think that really is something that, you know, if I'm the league, specifically the league I'm looking at instituting as soon as humanly possible. The second thing is just consistency of calls, right? If a, if a tug is a yellow, it's, it's a yellow for both teams. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that that's that what really annoys me. Yeah. That, that has to be better. Uh, and, and refereeing right now, I mean, the state of refereeing has not caught up with the quality improvements in a game, I think is the, is the broader point that I would make. Yeah. The game, this is not early 2000s slow pace football anymore. Like, one, you got to be in shape to keep up with these guys. I mean, if you're a referee, you got to be able to to truck up and down the field just as much as they do. But two, you have to be quick-minded to see things now. Like, and you have to be looking at on and off the ball. Like, I, I would never want to be a referee in my life, but... For the people that do want to be referees and who take that power into their own hands, the quality has to improve. The consistency has to improve. Otherwise, again, I've made this reference a bunch on our on our men's show, but it's a billion dollar a billion dollar league with ten cent refereeing. Like you can't. It's a really bad way to negotiate your 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 mm-hmm. investment. So, just a final note there on the referees. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break and, of course, say thank you to our sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we'll be right back. 
All right. As you guys know, of course, uh, we are going uh, over uh, to uh, to sunny old London. Let's hope for a little bit of sun while we're over uh, uh, for uh, for hopefully a Conti Cup final. Uh, if not, we'll be, we'll be playing Brighton at home. So uh, if you're listening to this and saying, hey, Nick, are you guys going to go to a women's game while you're over? Of course we are. We're going to be there. It's going to be great. Um, of course, if you want to hang out with us during that time, we're going to put our plans online. We're going to be doing a bunch of really fun stuff, including maybe a sneaky uh, thousandth episode recording while we're over this time, which is going to be really fun. So uh, more to come on all that. Sign up for the newsletter. Head on over, buy the merch, support the mission. And, uh, and yeah, we'll uh, see you on the flip side. But Abdullah, we're, uh, we're talking about control uh, in, in section one here, right? This is not, you know, I think the third game in a row where, you know, you have a commanding lead, things are kind of on cruise control, and you let them back in, you know, and it's it's become a little bit of a scary scenario when you consider the quality of opposition that we have coming up. Yeah, um, I think Emma Hayes put it, you know, aptly in her in her post match press, uh, you know, press saying that it was a scrappy game and sloppy in parts. And I think that's kind of been the theme of the last couple of weeks. It's, I think, it comes down to concentration. It doesn't come down to skill. It doesn't come down to whether they can. They've done it. They know how to do it. They're world class players. It's for some reason they fall into this what I feel is like a false sense of security when they get a, a two goal lead or something, and they suddenly go, "All right, we're in cruise control now." Is you can't even blame youthfulness because it's not like there's like a ton of like 18, 19, 20 year olds playing that. I mean, Aaron Cuthbert's been there forever. Yes, she's 22, 23, but she's been there forever. Neve Charles is in her second. She's fine. Maybe she's the only one. Carter's played her 100th appearance today. I think that's another thing to, to shout out about. So, you know, uh, it's not like she, she's, she's any uh, inexperienced. So, you can't even blame that. It just comes down to, to, to discipline and, and, and their mental discipline in terms of, all right, can we see out 90 minutes? Because like you said, we're going to be playing Man United in a month. Um, and then not to mention that there's a Champions League, you know, the, the draw is obviously uh, next week. And then you're going to play them in some time in March and you're going to get the likes of Leon and, and Bayern Munich and these sorts of teams you do this against those sort of teams they will punish you not just by making it three from three one to three two they'll make it four three right and and Chelsea can't afford um that sort of sloppiness uh in there um but I think it was again like it was a, but what I will say is I'm really glad that at least Chelsea are starting games better they're not starting slow they are getting control they are able to keep the ball they're able to pass it you know Play and I think today was the perfect example. We can start here, I guess. Is of they they had control, they played well, and they converted it. They got the first goal. They they quickly got the first goal to settle the nerves. And you know, at least I thought, uh, and then you know, maybe you guys can win what you thought. When the first goal went in, I thought, all right, I think Chelsea going to have a much easier game than what it is because this would have been a scrap as it ended up being. London derby, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And players would want to want to prove themselves. But when they got the first goal, I thought, all right, this is a lot easier than I thought it would be for Chelsea. But um, let, me go, yeah. let me know what you guys think. Well, I mean, Rob, I'll pass this to you. I mean, Spurs have not, I think, had a, a banner season so far. Mm -hmm. This is a team that, you know, we regularly beat. And, and, you know, maybe it's a little scrappy here or there, but it's a team that, you know, we expect to be, right? They've obviously added quality in the January window. Right. So I think they're a little bit different than they might have been, you know, if we played them in December. 
But let's let's talk about the start. I mean, you know, Chelsea come out on the front foot and it kind of seems like business as usual. Yeah, to be honest, I think like Spurs started badly in that they tried to play football against us and they tried <laughs> to play it as a as a footballing game. And we have the much superior footballers. And what they needed to do and what they um have done like last year in the game at Barnet that they made did really well after they conceded early was turn it into a scrap and turn it into a niggly, like, bitty game. To be honest, I, I sort of said this, in this game today, if Chelsea don't concede that really poor equaliser, I think they go ahead, they make it 2-0 before half-time, probably get a third sub-point in the second half and win it quite comfortably 3-0. Because I don't think Spurs at that point looked like they had the guile or the mentality to come back into it. It was individual mistakes and silly individual mistakes that let Tottenham back into it. And... uh and this is my comes back to one of my tweets I did today. Chelsea's biggest enemy in this WSL run this year, similar to Arsenal last year, is complacency because everything mm. is in their hands. It is completely in their hands. You know, Arsenal still have tough games. They've got to play City next weekend. We obviously saw Agent Beaver Jones take points off um, Manchester United today. And can I just say, one of the best bits of time wasting I think I've ever seen where there was a <laughs> throw in specifically that they tried to take quickly. And Beaver Jones kicked another ball onto the pitch to ensure Everton couldn't take a quick throw in <laughs> to stop the game. <laughs> I got booked for descent. Uh, it's one of my favourite bookings I've seen in a long, long time. But I uh, I think, you know, Chelsea's biggest enemy in this competition is that, and the same way in the Conti Cup against West Ham on Thursday, their biggest enemy will be going into it thinking they've already won the game. Right. I mean, let's talk about that, though, Abdullah, right? This, we're not chasing this here. Right. We are we are being chased. We are expected to win all these games or, or you know, against the top three, at least get draws, you know, away from home. You know, Tottenham have some renewed enthusiasm with the quality they've added. Right. This is a classic trap game um, in, in the way that it's forming uh, formatted. Let's break this down. Right. The difference between this year and last year is that Chelsea were continually pushing all last year, all the way up to the final minutes of the final game to win the league. Now, I mean, you look at the league and, yeah, it's tight, but I think there's an expectation that Chelsea are winners, right? They're serial winners. They're going for their fourth in a row. It's an absolutely absurd thing, right? Well, do you think that that may be weighing on them, or is this just a different mentality that they have to approach this season with? I think... I think it's a bit of both. I think the chasing the fourth title requires a different mentality altogether, if you know what I mean. It's almost like the fact that you've won three is huge. Like it's it's yeah. it's such an amazing achievement. But I think for these players, they can't go in with the mentality they had in the third season chasing the third. I almost feel like when you get into this era of like what Juventus and the men's did in the early 2000s, you know, winning nine Serie A titles in a row and how other, you know, how big, you know, like, a, you know, other teams do it in other leagues. I think when you look at, when you look at what Chelsea are doing, you just need to get in this different mentality. You need to be like, all right, we're just going to win. We got to go. And when you, when you're in moments like this, like you said, games like this, where teams around them are evolving and you've got teams like Spurs, you've got like, Villa, who done the same thing in January, they're also coming up. Everton have become a lot better. United are up there. You need to adapt to them, and, and you have to then raise your own game. Now, it doesn't help 
with the whole noise around the Magda Pernilla Hada contract situation, I really don't think that's helping them this season. I think the maybe they're 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 they know what they obviously know what's going on and they're maybe taking out the noise. Maybe they don't, but with the constant noise of that, with the constant noise of you know, um, oh, you know, they need to win it, but you know, it's you know, like, oh, you know, they got to focus on the Champions League. But then, you know, the minute like they do anything off form in the league, then suddenly that criticism comes back in. So, like again, like they need to, they need a different sort of mentality. And so far, they are responding to the call, but it's a matter of now. Can they take it to the you know for the rest of the season and uh, you know can they go for the rest of the season and and sort of maintain that 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 mentality maintain that 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 control because if they don't and they go into more situa- situations like they did today and they don't come back from it it become it'll become a problem and then you can see you know if they don't improve I th- can see drop points already I can already see one game turning from a from a 2-1 to a 2-2 or a 1-0 to a 1-1 or a 0-0 to a 1-0 loss and that'll then be a huge test of can they come back from that because already we're seeing that they're just about scraping through but you know it's it I think they need to convince themselves a little bit more that they can keep these leads yep I mean let, let's talk about the uh the the first half here I mean obviously Jess Carter gets the goal in the eighth minute the Carter one Brody Jess uh then Beth England had to be right gets uh, gets her goal as well um and this is a at this point in the match rob it's kind of a back and forth affair right it's not as much of chelsea dominance chelsea then go ahead through an absolutely stunning lauren james goal which we will talk about in depth in the next section but let's talk about the first half because i think for the score line you could be forgiven that this was not our most beautiful football that we played yeah i mean what what I suppose is the um, the positive to that is that last year there were some games where we played some really scintillating attacking football, especially in the second half of the season, and didn't score the goals. Today we scored, a, well, besides the Lauren James one, what I would call ugly goals. I mean, you know, deep crossing and a good header, nothing wrong with that. The third goal, obviously, like textbook route one. Um, shout out to Sam Kerr, by the way, you know, doing the role Peter Crouch be proud of. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, no, I think certainly certainly there needs to be an improvement. But also what I will say on the positive side of it is that Chelsea tend to, after Christmas, they tend to have a period where they sort of get going again and then they start motoring usually from about mid-February onwards and usually after this next international break is when they sort of kick on. And to me, this was sort of the set of games where you look at them and coming up to the Conti Cup game, we had some games in this period that weren't necessarily complete gimmies. You know, Arsenal, Liverpool in the league, which obviously didn't happen, Tottenham, the various cup games. They were games where I looked at it and I thought, you know, if we're going to slip up, I could see it being one of these sides. To take, you know, four points from Tottenham and Arsenal away, I think if you'd have asked people that on paper, not necessarily reflecting the performances, they'd have took that. Because ultimately every side, I think, in the WSL is going to drop points at some point between now and the end of the season. And it's just being the side that drops the least points. Definitely. Um, you know, we, we kind of talked about Carter's role on the left, Abdullah. You know, this is before before we get into the, the Lauren James supremacy uh, section. But uh, do, do you want to make any further points on progressing the ball and, and kind of the role that 
you know, she played today versus how we've seen Magda play the position? Yeah, no. Um, one thing I, I, I noticed early on in the game, and I tweeted, I think it was eight, nine minutes in. It was literally maybe 30 seconds or on the dot when Carter scored. I put this tweet out and I went, well, great. Bruins my point, sort of. Okay, thanks, Jess. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I, I felt like in those first eight minutes that a lot of the play was coming out the left and, and Carter was the one pushing out you know from the back playing the couple of the one twos with girl right and then kind of going from there and i felt and i don't know if this is the right word but i don't have another word for it it felt a little bit clunky to me um because carter isn't the most aesthetic or the most on aesthetic on ball progressor right like there is a, there's a little bit of they have a t- heavy touch every now and then um ball control isn't her strongest suit like we said before i think she's a much better defender than she is she is attacker or progressor and I think it's not just because of the fact that she played that role. I think you usually would want, if you're going to play this sort of back three, you'd want to do it on the right-hand side, that Buchanan take that role because she's obviously a lot better at doing it. But then that's what I found really weird is that it wasn't happening on the right, it was happening on the left. And I think it not just affects the way they progress up the left, I also think it it affects her right not left wing, or left wing back, however you want to call her. Because by having... And I'm not saying Magda's the best at this, but I'm saying by having someone who's positionally really good in Magda Eriksson and, and is able to kind of play uh, a bit more of an inverted role, has better ball control, and can kind of play a little bit better of the one-twos with, with Guru Wrighton, then Guru gets set up a lot better on that left-hand side. Um, and I think we saw that in the first, I think for me at least, first 20-25 minutes, at least in build-up, Guru wasn't really there. It was just kind of like when she got the ball, when it switched to the other side and it came to when it were already in the final third, yes. But I didn't see her much in that build-up, in, in, in the build-up area. So for me, again, I was questioning why is Magda not playing if you're going to play through cards on this left-hand side. But then obviously Jess has to score that header as soon as I say it. So, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Go ahead, Rob. I will say in trying to like, again, in defence, I think, of Emma Hayes' uh, decision in this, in this, obviously with the nature of how... Tottenham lined up, they sort of had at times almost sort of a 3-5-1, um, the way they were sort of, or a 3-6-1 sort of almost at times, um, with the way they lined up and they had Ash Neville sort of, I don't really know what role she was playing today. Um, you know, I'd love to see her heat map because it certainly wasn't any sort of normal, just basically vibes football. Um, but I think they maybe were trying to go down the left because Bizet seem to end up in that right wing back position. And the one thing we learned about today is that Celine Bizet is not a right wing back. And I think they were trying to progress through that way because even every time Carter was progressing, Bizet was coming flying out and it was leaving a big channel for Guru Wrighton to operate in. And to be honest, if Chelsea had been more clinical with their passing in and behind, there were so many opportunities to, you know, play it because uh, through no fault of her own, I, you know, I'm not suggesting Bizet is a bad footballer, but she's clearly not a wingback. And I think they kind of tried to use that side of it because on the other side, they had, you know, Harrop, who, Harrop and Spence, who were working a lot harder. Um, Sumanen, who sort of a lot of the time found herself caught in a hybrid role between actually sitting back and breaking up play and trying to support Beth England. You had Iwabuchi, who... Again, I'm not really sure what sort of role she was meant to be playing today. I was really confused by Iwabuchi because I'd have thought what you'd want to do with Iwabuchi would be get her up close, as close to Beth England as possible to play the ball through. And yet she seemed to be playing some sort of weird right wing role for most of the game. 
But I do think they maybe are trying, we're trying to build up through Jess Carter as much as possible to exploit the fact Bizet was playing at wing back. And that's my sort of logic, I suppose, behind it. Again, maybe Magda's a better option for this, but I kind of feel it was maybe a tactical decision to suit the times. All right, last question to both of you. I mean, I think this is, you know, having watched the the Chelsea women over the last few years, uh, we've seen different approaches to uh, squad and, and kind of overall health management from Emma, right? Do we feel like with the rotation that she's putting in this year, right? Lauren was not a starter for a few games. Frank Kirby's not been a starter for a few games. You know, Magda out. Uh, you know, the rotation at right back, Neve and, and E. Perse. Like, do, do we feel like Emma is trying to just manage this squad differently this year because of all the resources that she has at her disposal and trying to kind of reach that peak as we get into the Champions League? Or do you guys have a different take on that and i'll start with you rob yeah to be honest i think so i think you're already seeing it for other sides that they're starting to look tired um not naming any names but there are certain wsl sides where the manager rigidly makes the same substitutes at the thir- at the 80th minute mark and makes the same three every single game um and i think you know you saw it today that what really pleased me about today's game was that sam kerr actually got a rest and that we brought obviously at 3-1 we brought off i didn't actually think it was our best game in terms of chance taking, but I thought she played very well. But I think it's games like that where you can afford to give her a rest when, you know, you've got a two-goal buffer. Most of the time, you know, touch wood, Chelsea aren't going to drop points from a two-goal buffer. It's games like that where I think you're looking at people like Bright, Buchanan, Kerr, Cuthbert, and you're giving them those extra minutes off. Because even if you've got, you know, you know the amount of games we're going to be playing in the second half of the season to give players minutes... You don't want someone like, you know, Erin Cuthbert just getting a random knock late on in a game just because you've kept her on and you could have brought her off. And I appreciate every player wants to play as many minutes as possible, but I think there's got to be, you know, a decision taken because at times in previous years we've jeopardised ourselves because we've kept players on when they clearly have taken a knock and need to come off or, you know, we leave them on and suddenly they get whacked or something. And especially in games like today, I mean, Tottenham weren't as bad for it today, but there are certain players in the league that, you know, at 3-1 down, if they get frustrated, they can just lash out at someone. Abdullah. Um, yeah, no, I I agree. I think, I think getting that balance right between rotating players to give them enough of a rest to play them in, in better games, fresher, and then over-rotating, I think has been probably a little bit of an issue in the last couple of years we haven't been able to do that maybe it's because of the fact that you know the squads haven't been sometimes the squads have been imbalanced we've always we've talked about that right not enough fullbacks maybe too many attackers etc etc um i feel like maybe this season there is just about enough balance that again you can look at the striker again and go right you know beyond um, Sam Kerr, who do you have, especially with Pernilla Harder being, if Pernilla Harder is fit, then you have no problem yeah. with rotation there as well for, for that. That's a, that's a big problem there because right now the only one I can look at is go, who do you, if if there's an injury to Sam Kerr, who plays? I, I genuinely don't know who, you, Fran Kirby maybe is the next option up there? Like, do you I have mean, to throw Fran Kirby? I would say, you know, Lauren James did quite well at centre forward when yeah. she's played at centre forward. I, I think that. I do feel at times Emma Hayes, with the striker position, certainly, she's got a bit of a, you know, damned if she doesn't, damned if she doesn't. Because if Penilla Harder was fit and wasn't injured, 
then realistically having Sam Kerr and saying, oh, well, we need to drop Sam Kerr for a game or rest her for a game. Let's bring in Penella Harder. It's a bit like saying, you know, your Ferrari's not available, but in exchange, here's a Bugatti Veyron. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. No, I agree. But I think, I think, but it's, it's, but again, if we're looking at rotation, it's, it's, it's a problem there. And then I think, Sam Kerr's the only one suffering from this. And like you said, we're, we're, it's really good that she was able to get a rest. We brought her off early. But other positions, I feel like the players maybe look a little bit fresher. I think Emma Hayes said that Sam Kerr wasn't feeling too well before the game, which is why I think we saw her maybe not her optimal best. But it's in these sort of situations where you kind of want to feel, all right, you know, Beth England going, you know, who else do we have to come in and play a role that at least... Okay, maybe this is going to be weird, but... Maybe you get in somebody, or should have maybe should have brought in somebody who. Uh, Sam Kerr's obviously going to be number one, but maybe it's time to maybe bring somebody in who is maybe not at Sam Kerr's level, maybe is one below, but still fills the, the the criteria for what the system requires and does it so that the system makes the player play well, not the player itself, if you know what I mean. So at least then, when you are making changes and and bringing in another player it, it it helps with with keeping it together but to the point of, of rotation and squad depth yeah I think it's a little bit better this year it's just for me it's that striker uh, that becomes the position that becomes the issue it's a coulda shoulda woulda scenario Abdullah and, and we're gonna move on <laughs> oh well um, look, uh, we're going to take our final ad break here, guys, and we're going to come back and talk about the uh, immense Lauren James performance and a fantastic uh, Eden Hazard-esque solo goal. So uh, stick with us, and we'll be right back. All right, boys, we're back. Uh, talking about Lauren James, uh, this this goal is up there for me. Uh, like watching her just glide past seven players total I think was my count maybe it was six maybe I'm adding one in for fun but um let's talk about the goal of Dula absolutely fantastic oh so good I think usually now when she picks up the ball you kind of expect her to do something really fancy and really good uh, I think 90% of the time whenever she picks up the ball you always can expect like her to pick up the ball, do a little bit of a shimmy, a little bit of a feint. She goes on somebody's left or right, and then she just progresses the ball with this like short acceler- short burst of acceleration. And in this case, it was, all right, we're going to start off on the right. But the fact that she started off, you know, high or, or deep on the right-hand side, cuts inside. And what I found hilarious was that Spurs knew what they were going to do. Everybody knew where she was going and what position she was going to shoot from. Nobody closed her down. And and when they did close her down, all right, I'm going to skip past you. All right, I'm going to skip past you. And I think just before she did have a shot, there was a, there was a two-second moment where I felt like a Spurs player could have just put herself in between the ball and, and, and her shot. But just nobody did anything. And she just shot it through the, the, the bodies and scored. I think it was such an amazing goal in the sense that from where you started, the number of players that you beat was absolutely incredible um but yeah and 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 the fact of the matter is that if Spurs played like this and none of the other Chelsea players could do something similar just shows how good Lauren James is in those sort of situations and to be able to create something out of nothing and I think to me it was it was even more important because it was coming during a period where Spurs were dominating it was Spurs came back in the game after that Beth England goal they were controlling play in the middle um, and they were able to. They were, they, it looked like they possibly could have. Um, they possibly could have uh, scored a second goal, but then this goal kind of just 
put put the brakes on and 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 Chelsea came back. So yeah, I think a super significant goal as well as it was amazing. I mean, Rob, let's let's talk about the finish itself. I mean, you you did the hard part. You danced through what is essentially most of the the left side of their their defense. And then you have to rip a shot with your left foot into the bottom corner with extreme mm. accuracy. And she hit it so hard that there was just never going to be a chance for the goalkeeper to get there. I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic finish on top of everything. Yeah, what, what I said, and this is the thing I really, really like about Laura James, all of her finishes so often are right down in the bottom corner or right down across the goalkeeper. And it makes it so hard. Obviously, there's an element of, you know, hitting it low with power and, you know, hitting it high into the goal. That does make it hard. But when you get it down low, especially with a strike like that, when you're going back across, it's so hard to change the weight and to get down. You know, in off the inside of the post, you could say, you know, in some ways you're kind of lucky, but I think you make your own luck in that it goes back in. What I will say is really interesting. Again, someone did remind me this. She did the exact same thing against Spurs in preseason, cut inside from that exact same position, took a shot from that exact same, put it into the opposite corner that time. And that time no one stopped her as well. I think it is a case now with Lauren James where, and I, I said this, it's kind of a fear factor element. You see it with Penilla Harder. And, and you know, Penilla Harder against Manchester United is a perfect example. The Manchester United defenders, every time they come against Penilla Harder, they don't have a clue how to engage her because when they engage her, they usually end up being made to look like an idiot. So they just stand off and stand off and stand off. And that just gives her loads of time in the world to think about it. And you're starting to see it with Lauren James. I mean, you saw it in the Arsenal game. Steph Catley, I think, is a really good defender. I think she's a very, very good player. And Lauren James made her look like a pub league player because every time she got her, you know, she just twisted her in knots and knots and knots. And eventually it got to a point where, you know, Catley was calling players out of position. You had Walty coming back and trying to do sort of, you know, a player to play a marking job to break it down. And I think that's the big thing for me that's so interesting. And I think you might see it on the other side of this with Canarid a bit more in the second half of the season. I kind of feel Chelsea are betting in Canarid a bit like they betted in Lauren James. They're trying to get her used to the style of play and the patterns of play and trying to get her confidence up. And I have a feeling there will be one of these games soon with Canarid and she'll just come in and she'll absolutely fly and she'll just demolish someone and just rip someone apart. A bit like Lauren James did against Aston Villa early in the season and she'll just kick on from that. I mean, I guess this begs the question, Abdullah, is Lauren James currently Chelsea's best attacking player? And we know that you know, we, we've said that Chelsea attack with eight <laughs> not four. Like, I mean, we're, we are uh, the the attacking amorphous blob is, is kind of how I framed it. But, it, you know, is this is this the class of the bunch right now? Yeah, I think so. I think you look at consistency you look at level of performance and More you than look Duro? at, I think, mo- oh, it's it's I More think you look come at, on. Uh, I think, OK, in terms of output, in terms of output and in terms of. I think in terms of consistency, she's up there. Guru's up there with Lauren James. Uh, in terms of output, obviously Guru's. Done. I think you'd have to say it's it's neck and neck with Guru and Lauren. And I think maybe uh, maybe Guru gets it just about because of the amount of output that she has this season. I mean, she's already got like an insane number of assists and contributing more directly to 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 the team. Maybe the only difference, or I would say, is that in a weird way. Lauren doesn't need someone behind her for her to thrive. It's it, it's girl maybe needs like that setup behind and 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 to be able to push forward and maybe play a lot play a lot better. But I think 
with Lauren, you can you can just give her the ball in, uh, on the right wing, and she can just do things. She doesn't need to be protected by anybody. So I think it's neck and neck. You can go. It's one or the other. But um, yeah, maybe 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 girl, but Lauren's up there. Well, what's your what's the flip of the coin for you, Rob? I think it's probably Guru overall for the season. But what I will say with Lauren James, and I think this is where she perhaps is different to Guru Button, Lauren James is the sort of player that, with Wrighton, people in the league, they don't double up on her. Then that, you know, the team when teams try and do that, there's someone else that usually Kirby or someone takes advantage of the space. With Lauren James, you're not even talking about doubling up. You're talking about one player in the midfield or the wing will have to go and, you know, go on and take her opposite number on. Then if she drives inside, you've got a couple of midfielders that need to go at her. Then if you've got fullbacks, you've got one fullback coming across and then the three, you've got a centre-back coming across. And there's no guarantee you're actually going to be able to stop her at any point. I think it's that ball-carrying ability with James that's so phenomenal. Like, you know, she can go from the edge of her own box to the edge of the opposition box and just shrug people off. And that's what I think is really interesting is um, it's a physique, I think, unlike anything else in the WSL I've sort of said there's that speed and power and the ball control that she has the only player I think who is similar in terms of the ability just to breeze past players is harder and she does it in a different way she's more agile I think is the phrase I think James is agile but I just think harder is that you know that little bit more where she's so so silky but with Lauren James it's just a case that I think there's that swagger and that confidence as well that defenders hate to see like you look at her and you just sort of think you know, she looks at you and thinks, yeah, I'm just going to go past you. And she always looks so lackadaisical in calm. Yeah. yeah lackadaisical and calm in what she does. But it's just, you always know that there's that split second when bang, she's just going to turn it on and go, you know, straight past you. And that's why I think, you know, if Chelsea are going to do well in the Champions League, I think she's the sort of player that's going to be decisive in those big games. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we all saw the, the tweet from, Reese uh, a while ago. Um, super proud of Lauren James. She inspires me every day and will continue to. I believe she's the best women's footballer in the world and will be for the next 10 to 15 years, without a doubt. She's technically better than some Premier League players. That technical ability to me, like I, I view her and Guro as as far different players, right? Lauren, pace, power, calm on the ball. I mean, Arsenal attacked her with three or four players at a time. They, they were not taking a chance on Lauren, Lauren James dominating that game, right? And the unpredictability piece is is crucial here, right? We know what Guro's going to do. She just does it anyway, right? We know she's going to maybe drive to the, to the line. She'll cut something back or she'll play a really progressive pass early so that someone like Sam or, or Frank Kirby can get on the end of it. Or she has a little bit of a faint move. She does have dribbling ability. She can get you know into the box. But Lauren James could be at midfield, do a faint, and then be by you. You're just never catching up, right? Because she has the speed to, to capitalize on that moment. The unpredictability piece, I think, is where you know she kind of bails Chelsea out sometimes. Because we do have patterns of play. We do kind of get in different, you know, kind of modes of, of moving the ball. And for her to just be able to carry and and do this mazy run, right, where she's turning defenders inside out, she's disrupting their formation, right? She's trying to get people off. And then maybe to make the crucial pass or the shoot. I mean, we've seen her score some absolute bangers this year. That has to just be entirely frustrating, Abdullah, if you if you set up your team 
perfectly against Chelsea and you're, and you're finding some success and then one moment can just kind of change that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it becomes, it becomes difficult to set up for because you, you think you're, you think you're, uh, you're set up for one, one type of plan to stop Lauren James and you, but you, whether you double up or you triple up and, and, and you do all of that, I think it, it becomes a lot more, um, a lot more difficult, but then, like you said, the unpredictability, the technical skill to pull off such, you know, such skill, I think becomes you very difficult, if not impossible, to defend against. Because you saw what she did today; she went past six or seven players. How do you how do you prepare for a moment like that? How do you go? All right, we're gonna quadruple up on Lauren James when she goes on the right wing. Yeah. You don't think they're you don't think they're in training with with six or seven people just waiting to make a move? No. <laughs> yeah, no no no. You know they they're going for this asymmetrical seven at the back, everyone just shift together. Don't let Lauren James go through. No. You can. I mean this is like, like I said, like and, and the point you make about how she's bailed us out on 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 a number of occasions. I think again today's another example. It's I think when it comes to impact like that and needing to get the team out of when they need to and maybe giving them a little bit of a boost and maybe even sometimes just holding the ball without losing it, without knowing you're going to lose it, I think that's where Lauren James is so, so good and give her a little bit more time to develop even more, settle into this team and and become a better part. I think it, I think it becomes, um, I think she becomes uh, really, really good. And and I think for me, that begs the question. um, And and Nick, maybe I'll ask you very quickly first is, do you think with this technical skill, with this ability and everything, she's better maybe playing in another position, maybe like the number 10, or is this where her best football is played? Um, I think you probably need an offseason if she's going to be the new number 10, right? Obviously, that has implications across the field with Fran and Sam and the types of passes that she's able to make, the types of turns that she's able to make. I mean, it, like, she's more than capable of doing it tomorrow if, if we needed to, but I do think it changes the way that we play, right? Because she is a carrier. She's not a facilitator in the traditional sense in that role, Um I think what I like about her on the right wing, Rob, is that it gives her an attacking angle, right? She kind of has two lanes. She can stick outside, which is not her traditional way of moving, or she can take it on her left foot, which is equally as good as her right, and make moves infield, which then I think frees up maybe our right back to, to overlap and provide another angle of attack. And I think for this season, that's kind of where I would keep her playing her best. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I had a long conversation about this um, a few weeks ago with Mia Erickson, um, obviously, you know, another friend of the pod. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically, I sort of said it would be fascinating to find out what position uh, Lauren James eventually ends up playing because she's one of those players I look at and I'm thinking, realistically, she could play, it's not a fashion position, but she could play either side on wing back because she's got the traits for it. She can, she actually, her defensive awareness has improved a lot. She can cross, she yeah. can go forward, she can pass well. She could play any of the midfield roles because she's got all of that in her arsenal. She could play on the wing. She could play as an inside forward or she could play up front. And I think, you know, you've actually got this fascinating situation to find out what position you do. Because in the end, I would, I actually agree. I would like to see her at some point in the number 10 role, especially if you could um, maybe sharpen up some of her passing in her own product. Because she does have a phenomenal eye for a pass on her and a range for a pass. And we have seen that in... um, 
some games. I think it was the game against Villa when she assisted uh, Sam Kerr following the um, attack where she cut in, cut out the ball, anticipated it and played it back in uh, swiftly. And I think if you have that 10 who can do all of that whilst being such a goal threat, you effectively almost then are playing with two number nines in a way, in that you've got so much goal threat from Sam Kerr and you've also got Lauren James in behind who can do everything from a finishing point of view plus also the creative side of it. Well, uh, I think if you are in a position to move Lauren James around a field of play where you control the attack, you're in a better position than our opposition. Um, and look, I, I think if Reese is seeing her play for you know most of their lives together and has a, a viewpoint as a world-class footballer himself uh, that she's going to dominate the, the women's game, then we are in a, a pretty strong position there, I'd say. Um, last point here, boys, because I know we're kind of coming up on the hour mark. Uh, we talked a little bit about the defense, but I think we want to break this down into sections because, you know, I think there is a concern as to where we are today and, and why some of these goals are are being leaked. Um, Abdullah, you mentioned in the script here, passive first 15 minutes or so, you know, kind of not necessarily, you know, locked in. We've seen Chelsea start slow before. Was this any different than previous slow starts? Yeah, I think I think this this uh, this passiveness I think was mainly if I if I look at it in, in the start of the second half. I think I think the first half was was passive, but they were still um, proactive in a way. But I think the second half was really passive. I thought they went in because they ended the first half on a high. I felt like the second half they were like. All right, cool. More of the same. Spurs, you know, hopefully have been flattened out. They won't have the the nerve or the or the uh, or the insight to kind of push forward and and come back again. And I think when when Guru when Guru scored again, obviously another goal contribution from Guru. You're like, all right, we're done. There's no way Spurs are coming back from this. We're dominating the game. You know, mentally they're out of it. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then just Chelsea, I think for me, they just go into almost like a false sense of security where they're like, we've got a 3-1 lead. What we get? Like, no, we're, we're good. We will we will keep this going and we will just keep playing and we'll keep going. And I think with the opposition reacting, and I think Chelsea made a couple of good changes. I thought Frank Kirby and Yves Perisse coming on, and especially with Yves Perisse coming on, I think was just a sign of, right, maybe we need to... Let's keep it. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it. Let's keep it tight on the right hand side. We don't need to attack as much anymore with Neve Charles at right wing back, right back, and we can bring on Eve Perry say, and we can we can do it that way. So I thought that was I thought that was good, um, and then obviously Fran Kirby getting getting a good few minutes again. But when Spurs started making changes, they brought on Nicola, the, the Polish striker. I can't pronounce her last name right now. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not going to butcher it. But when she came on and, and Spurs started playing Beth England and, and Nicola together up front as a two. And then Chelsea didn't really react. And then that's where I think the problem lies is they're then going back on what they have. They're not reacting to the game as, as such. And and then it's like the team that's out there suddenly is like, oh, you know, how do we defend? We're under, we're under pressure. And I think part of it comes from the fact that in most games, Chelsea aren't as much this much pressure, maybe at times, in terms of constant wave of attacks. And then suddenly when they're down down and out in terms of like five, ten, five, six minutes to go, teams are pushing and pushing and pushing and Chelsea are maybe dropping deeper and deeper and deeper. I think that's where they need to improve and be able to either control the game, which is the first point that we made, or have better box defending. Now, I think Millie Bright's one of the best box defenders, if not the best box defender in the world, right? no, hands down. But then you look at Buchanan, and this is probably where Carter 
uh, comes in handy in this sort of situation. Those, you know, at least two of the three of them should have done better. And I think I think the last goal was just the epitome of what everybody's been saying in terms of concentration. Like that was an easy game for you to win at the end of the day. And three one looks a lot better than three two in terms of context and just overall. You just look at a three yeah. one game and a three two game. You go dominated the game versus that was close. How did that how did that end up mm. going? And those things at the end of the day will will start playing on the, on their minds mentally. I think. Yeah, I mean, Harry Edwards said last season uh, the Chelsea women conceded just two goals in the final five minutes of a match. This season they've already conceded four at the same time frame. It's obviously a um, a double up there, which is not great. And then, Rob, you tweeted that the biggest obstacle to success this season is Chelsea switching off and giving away silly goals due to lapses in concentration. Should have won that game 3-0 quite easily. Is that is that basically what you fault for both goals? Is, is a lack of concentration or is there something else yeah. happening? Yeah, 100%. Because the the first goal, I really like Buchan. I like her ability to play off the back, but she took a poor touch and took her eye off it. And as soon as you do that, you've got a choice of two things as a defender. You either need to win the ball back or stop the player going past you. She got caught in two minds as to what she did. I think that's the situation there. Just pull the player back, take a tactical foul. Knowing the WSL, you probably don't even get booked for it. Um, and then... <laughs> The second one, uh, there was some debate as to whether it was offside. Personally, I haven't seen it properly in line yet. But even still, that cross should not be going across. It wasn't as if it was an inch-perfect ball for uh, Karkowska um, at the back post. And, you know, it it sort of almost apologetically sort of dribbled through to her. And she couldn't quite believe she had a chance to put it away. I mean, she put it away well enough. But it never really should have happened. What really, I think, frustrates me the most is I'm looking back on our game's at this moment in time, the Liverpool loss, the goals conceded were two, you know, penalties that were from silly mistakes. The Arsenal game, contentious penalty, but again, silly individual mistake from Charles by letting the player go past them. The two goals today, individual mistakes. I can't think of a goal this season against us, and, you know, I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, where I've looked at it and thought, wow, the opposition really worked for that. Or, wow, it was, something, you know, real spectacular. I mean, if, you know, okay, if we play against Arsenal and say, you know, when Beth Mead was fit, if she went past five of our players and banged it into the top corner, then I'd be like, fair enough. Or, you know, if it's some intricate passing move by Manchester City that Bunny Shaw finishes off because she's clinical, that's fine. But to me, it's goals like that today that you look at and they're just so, so preventable. And I think that's what will annoy Emma the most. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of work on it. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, significant changes in the way we approach it. And I do agree. The only saving grace I will say is that the moment we did concede it, like everyone's head snapped back on and we almost instantly, you know, went up the other end and saved for some very smart goalkeeping from Corpela. This game could have ended up 4 2 or 5 2. You know, it wasn't yeah. as if we were under the cosh for the final few minutes. That said, there are a lot better sides than Spurs. And if you give, you know, Bayern Munich a chance for five minutes, you know, to go at 3-2, chances are they're probably going to take it. Yeah, I think I think this is the area where, you know, they, they probably knew how much running they were going to have to do in, in training this week. Um, but I also, you know, I'm looking at this in the next month, you know, obviously we have the, the, the break coming up, but can you get clean sheets? Can you drill that back in your head? Can you build that muscle memory again? Can you, 
you know, escape these dodgy moments at the end of matches because the, the Champions League suffers no fools. Um, it is, you know, the worst competition in the world to, to be thoughtless during because of the quality that exists within it. So I think that would be the thing that I'd be, I'd be looking for. Can Chelsea get back on a clean sheet run? We, we saw them do it already this year. It's not as if they're incapable of, of having clean sheets. They had quite a few at the start of the year. Um, but yeah, it, some just silly mistakes, some sloppy play, unfortunately. Uh, but we're going to end on a positive because that's what we do here. Uh, look, Dan in the match, Abdullah, this was a, uh, a fascinating one. I know, right? I mean, I love the choices by 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 our, our admin over here. Lauren James's left foot, Lauren James's right foot, Reese James's sister, and the WSL's best young player. I wonder who all of these people are. Mm. You know, it's, it was such a tough mm. one. Um, Lauren James's right foot really in last place with seven point six percent, which I thought was really unfair. I thought, harsh. I thought her right foot harsh was, on the was right. Harsh. I it was really harsh on her right foot. I think the left foot obviously had the shot, but um, nothing. Reese James's sister wins. I think. I know it's the easiest thing to say, Lauren James, and I know that um, one of you may pick it. So I'll just give somebody else who I thought was really good. I, I want to give it to Jesse Fleming. Kind of come in the last couple of games, playing as his number ten, as you know, over Chankovic and and, and what and Frank Kirby. And I think she's been she's getting back in her mm. groove. I think she's finally starting to find what her role is, and is this off ball runner and press her from this number 10 it's almost like her job is not to do things on the ball it's to do things all off the ball from this number 10 position and she's kind of been seamlessly kind of sitting in there helping the midfield and helping the attack without being too flashy which i think is really interesting it's something i want to look into a little bit more and and i hope and i hope to see we see a bit more of it but it's just good to see jesse fleming finally settling in and finding that position I mean, again, I would quite happily give it to the WSL's best young player, but I, uh, I'll i try and also be a bit more creative in my selection. I actually thought Wrighton, as well as her goal, I thought she was back after a couple of poor games, I thought she was back to her best today. Some of her deliveries in, especially in the first half, were brilliant. Some of her interplay, I think, in and around the box was very good. She had some real nice um, sort of touches. And what I also really liked was she didn't shirk her, shirk her defensive side of the game. Um, you know, the battle between Wright and Iwabuchi on the wing, I don't think it was any, anyone ever expected to see, but it was quite entertaining. And I think Gura Wrighton did win it quite well. Um, and I think it was important for her to get that finish because I think in the last few games, she's played okay without having the same impact that she had in the first half of the season because that was so phenomenal. And I just feel getting that goal, it gets the monkey off the back. It was a well-taken finish. Yeah. It was, um, you know, a good take advantage of a piece of slack defending. And I think, yeah, she's going to be a big player for us in the second half of the season. Hundred percent. I'm I'm going Lauren because we can't have we can't have three choices and not pick Lauren James here. Like that would be absolutely absurd. So, uh, look, guys, appreciate all of the all the thought here. There's a ton uh, of matches that are being played still. We we know for sure that we have uh, the semifinal against West Ham coming up uh, on the 9th of February, and that will that will determine uh, if we are. Uh, in the Conti Cup final, and if if myself and many others will be in attendance for that. Uh, we also have the FA Women's fifth round after the international break against Arsenal at home. So great draw there. Appreciate that, guys. That was nice. Um, then uh, potentially Brighton at home or the Conti Cup. Uh, then United at home on the 12th of March. And then uh, maybe a, a makeup game if, if we uh, advance. So look, 
big, big, big month of fixtures coming up. Lots happening here. Got cup matches. You have potentially a final. You have United. You have Arsenal. I mean, this is, you know, Chelsea have to snap it in now. It's go time. And the Champions League coming back uh, as well. So uh, as the table stands, Chelsea uh, in first, 12 matches played, 10 wins, one draw, one loss. A uh, 35 goals for, uh, 11 goals against, 24 goal diff, just in case you're keeping track at home. 31 points uh, there. United in second, 12 matches played, 29 points, uh, slightly better goal diff. Uh, City uh, leapfrogging Arsenal into third on 26 points with only a 14 goal diff. Arsenal two matches behind uh, right now as it stands in this moment. 10 matches played on 25 points. So that's kind of your top four. Uh, everyone else is kind of in the middle uh, or if you're Leicester City at the very, very bottom. So uh, this is where we stand. Obviously, we hope uh, you're going to have a great week and we will certainly be back midweek with another show. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Yeah.